Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Andre Fernandez. How are you, Dre? I am juggling a bunch of stuff right now. One of them is uh, the start of the football season and also covering for you, my friend, uh, some of these Dodgers games as you toggle a bunch of stuff on, on your end, you know, some of the same stuff. I know they've asked you to do, we've asked you to do, not so much me, but uh, the Herald has actually do quite a lot for this uh, section preview. And, uh, but, you know, I got to, got to watch Mookie Betts do his thing on, on Sunday. That was not fun if you're a Marlins fan, but as a baseball fan, you admire the talent of Mookie Betts and what he can do. I mean, man, <laughs> can, can does he have a power swing and, and, and can he play? But, uh, but yeah, it was good to see Edward Cabrera too, even though not his best outing, but, you know, kind of seeing where he's at, at this point in his development and we'll get into all that and Sandy, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of Sandy on this episode. So let's, let's kick it off. Yeah, definitely lots of Sandy and worth the discussion of Sandy, especially after getting to watch what he did on Saturday. We all saw what happened with him in LA last Sunday, got absolutely shelled uh, three and two thirds innings, six earned runs on 10 hits, all of that career or season highs on hits and earned runs season low winning pitched and then the turn back around one start later throw a complete game against them one earned run it being a Mookie Betts home run which he has again as Trey mentioned from the series in LA through the first three games of this series Mookie Betts has just been absolutely phenomenal and I'm I'll be honest I'm an MVP voter this year and again Goldschmidt I know is the front runner but Mookie Betts is pushing himself into that conversation not just Obviously, doing against the Marlins, that's one thing. But he's been doing this all season, too. But just yeah. to be able to see it in person has been phenomenal. But back to Sandy. Nine innings, six hits, just the one earned run on the Betts home run, 10 strikeouts, did it all in the 111 pitches. And it's not like it's the first time we've seen this from Sandy. Four complete games this year. Not only leads baseball, he has more complete games on his own than any other Major League Baseball team has among all of its pitchers. The Red Sox, the Phillies, and the Cardinals each have three among all their pitchers. No other team has more than two complete games this year. And it's just, it's incredible to watch and also to see who he's done it against. We mentioned the Dodgers this time, again, rebounding after getting rocked by them a start earlier. Also has one against the Braves, which he followed up coincidentally with eight innings of one run ball. Uh, a complete game, two earned run outing against the Cardinals, and a shutout against the Reds. So three of his four complete games are against playoff teams. Just, hey, just yeah. Hold, hold, hold on. I hear a noise coming from over here. Let me check on what the God, that that's the that's the engraver of putting putting his name on the on the trophy already. Yeah. I mean, can Cy we do Young that already? Can we put it on the Cy Young trophy? Enough of this. Uh, enough of this other BS. Like, what else does the guy have to do? Yeah, it's just it's phenomenal. And again. When I look at Cy Young consideration, obviously Sandy is up there. Max Fried is in the in the conversation. A couple of the Dodgers guys and Julio Arias and Tony Gonsolin are in the conversation. But when you look at what Sandy has to do compared to the other three, yes, the other three are all very talented. They're all having very great seasons. Sandy doesn't have the offense that – he doesn't have the luxury of having a good offense behind him as well. Sandy literally yeah. – has to go the distance and give up no more than, say, one run 
to feasibly have a chance to win each of his starts. And to his credit, he's doing that and finding the way to his team gives him one run. He goes, okay, I'm just going to have to show everybody out to get my win. And at the very least, a legit concern every night. As we sometimes we joke in the press box about the, uh, you know, the no, no hitter, you know, you and Joe taking that back years now, but it's, it all, it's almost like back to being in 2018 when every night that was a legit concern. So for him to do what he's doing with that every night, like you're saying, I know you're, you're you know, they didn't mean to cut you off. You're, you're, you're putting out all the numbers there, but it's that makes it even more remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. And then just when you compare where he's at to the rest of the league, uh, uh, let me just, I have a whole bunch of numbers here that I bomb, I, boggle Dre with right before we did all of this. Uh four complete games, most by a single pitcher since Irvin Santana and Corey Kluber had five each in 2017. So the yeah. first guy to do this in five years to have at least four. Right. Uh since 2012, no pitchers had more than six complete games in the season. Sandy has seven more starts to get up to that mark to get two more, which is feasible knowing him. Leads baseball in the in in innings pitch at 185 and two thirds. He's third in ERA at 2.13. The only people ahead of him are Tony Gonsolin, who is throwing about 45 innings less than him, and uh, Justin Verlander, who's throwing, I believe, about 20 or so fewer than him. Right. Among NL pitchers, fourth in opponent batting average, fifth in strikeouts, sixth in whip, and tied for sixth in wins, which, I mean, we don't, pitcher wins is a stat that I really don't pay much attention to, but. When you look at, again, like we mentioned, with the offense that he has where he could throw seven shutout innings and still get yeah. no decision, for him to still have 12 wins this year, no. that that actually, to me, has some Yeah, He could be, I mean, the if you were jumping into this right now, you'd think casually looking at the way, like you said, how little pitcher pitching wins mean, he could very easily have this ERA and all these numbers and be eight and eight, you know, yeah. just like Pablo's record or something like that, or worse. And he's not. So it shows you the value. And then look at some of those names you just said, too. I mean, you're talking Hall of Famers in, in a couple of cases there. And he's doing something that, I mean, complete games are, you know, they're they're almost extinct in baseball. And they're, they're, you rarely see them anymore. And for him to do it at that level on this team, to the teams he's doing it, because then, because even if you wanted to make any kind of argument, yes, he got shelled by the Dodgers, but then like a week later, look what he does. And he pretty pretty much erases that by doing it at home. It's phenomenal. It, at this point, it'd be a travesty for him not to get it. You know, I mean, I wouldn't put anything past the way sometimes things get voted upon, but it would be an injustice if it, if, I mean, that's why I made the little trophy joke a little while ago, because it would be an injustice if, you know, with what he's done. And then, with seven starts to go, theoretically, if he finishes it out, just more to add there. Hopefully, if he can continue to be consistent. Yeah, and the big and one of the things I loved watching, especially being able to see both of those Dodger starts in person, just watching how he completely changed his approach. First, the start in LA on Sunday, he got shelled when they were on his fastball, his four seamer, and his sinker. Dodgers just crushed it, which they do against most teams. So right. what did he and Jacob Stallings do on Saturday? They completely flipped the repertoire. He threw more sliders than he's throwing in a seat in a start. He threw it 38% of the time compared to about 15% during the season, during throughout the entire season. His changeup was the second most pitch. 
And then all the way at the bottom, you see him throw about 30 combined four-seam fastballs and sinkers. He right. knew that the fastball he got killed on his fastball last time for whatever reason it was, whether it was him throwing it all a lot middle-middle, which his mechanics were slightly off that last start, yeah. or whether it's just because the Dodgers are just a freaking good lineup top to bottom, which let's say it, they are. Well, but, look, but to that point, to that point, look at the next day. Exactly. Edward Cabrera tried doing something similar and got burned. And, yep. you know, we'll talk a little more about him within that start. Then he adjusted and whatnot. But they, they thought, okay, this is a little better blueprint against the Dodgers. It's at least what percentage-wise could work better. And guess what? It didn't work as, mu- as well with him as it did when Sandy was throwing yep. it. So, again, to Sandy's credit, why he was able to execute it even better. Yeah. And, again, he's just – it's the evolution of him understanding that it's not just – okay, I have a good fastball that I can throw at 100 miles an hour. That's all I need. He understands that he has four weapons, potentially five, if he throws the curveball a couple times that he does in there, that he can deviate from the plan. He can make adjustments. He can swap out pitches for other pitches to find ways to be successful when he is getting beat. And to see those in-game adjustments, it's just the latest layer of maturity, the latest layer of development. and we keep talking about how great he is. And then you think about it. I mean, he's only 26. He's still just, he's still just a youngin in this. And it's just to see him at this level and seeing where he's stacking against these legends in the game, these all-stars, these hall of famers, it's great to see where he is and to know that there is still room for him to keep improving. Yeah. he He's on the cusp of, his career really taking off, you know, if this isn't just a one year, like if this really, if he carries this over, we could be looking at a, a great career in its, in its in, not infancy, but in its first stages of him really hitting his prime over the next few seasons. And that's going to be, you know, for now, it looks like it's going to be here. If you're a Marlins fan, you hope it stays here in the long run. Maybe, maybe not, you know, I'm going to get into all the track record of this franchise, not, you know, guys not staying in the long term that become stars. But if he does, he's got a chance to really make himself and he can, and if he can keep doing what he's doing, he can really make himself a, I guess like you could say an all time household name in this, in this city. And we've seen it before. I mean, a lot of guys in different, on different teams, different sports are still remembered you know, in, in, in the history of Miami sports. And, and he could be, we could be seeing the beginnings of that, you know, if he stays here for a while and keeps doing what he's doing. Yeah. And on that with how long we'll be here, that contract they signed him to in the off season, five years, 56 million. It's looking yeah. really good at this point, isn't it? Yeah. Not all, not every contract they've made. Not, most of them haven't looked good, but that one to their, in their favor has, has, because I mean, you have him there at least for a little bit. And then, but you know, eventually we'll get to that point. You know, say he does write it out here, he's still going to get to around, you know, once he's about to get to his 30s, if he's still pitching well, you'd like to see him, if you're a Marlins fan, obviously stay for the long haul and, and play those, pitch those prime years in, the, in that uniform. And that's going to be the tricky part because if he continues to pitch like this, that price tag is going gonna, is gonna to skyrocket. And his value is obviously going to skyrocket. So, but you know, we'll see where the franchise is by then. I mean, a lot of, 
you know, a, a lot of questions in the offseason to come to see to see what's going to happen. But but in terms of Sandy, again, it's 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 really good to see, and I'm glad I'm glad for him. You know, putting aside right now everything, like I'm personally glad because I got to I got to really get to know him back in you know when I was in the athletic and got to go to his hometown in the Dominican and all that. So I saw when when he was just hoping for a spot in the rotation at that point to now to seeing this happen. It's a, it's been cool. It's been cool to see him achieve, you know, start to achieve his dreams like this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, since you've been around him since he got here, what's the biggest thing, the biggest part about him that you've noticed that's changed from back when he got here, that 2017 trade to now? To you, what's the biggest thing that you've noticed? I think he always kind of tried to seem like he was confident. And you know how sometimes you could you could look confident, but then you could still kind of tell it's like the I hope things are going to work out. I hope I'm going to do okay, kind of thing. Now the way he walks around, it's not it's not arrogant. It's more like he has a sure assuredness, uh, 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 like a, is that how you say like a, like a, like yeah. a he's very sure of himself now. Where I think the experience has taught him that. Where he's self-assured now, he's he's he knows what he can do, and it's translating into every pitch he throws, you know, and and, and that's the that, in the in the bits. I mean, I'm obviously I'm not seeing him as much as I used to when I was full time on the beat, but when I have, he has this quiet confidence now where you can tell it's like, all right, I don't have to worry about making it. I'm in kind of thing, and beyond that, he's handling everything that's come with this season pretty well too because. You see him after games, and and it's kind of like almost like that. That yeah, that's what I'm kind of you know that's what they pay me for. That's what I'm supposed to do, kind of thing. Like he's, you know, he's got that quiet confidence to him that it's it's good to see because when when we did that back then, you know, he every young pitcher thinks they're going to be good and whatever, but it was still sort of in the let's see what happens. I'm going to do my best type of thing. Now it's cool to see him matured and and really embrace that. That the you know that spotlight. Yeah, no, I remember specifically for me was the 2020 season, that last start regular season start for him against the Yankees, the game that they won to to clinch their that spot in the playoffs. He threw seven in the third inning that game, gave up two earned runs, struck out nine. When we talked with him post game, he said something along the lines of, "I'm at the point where it doesn't matter who's in front of me. It could be." The Yankees, it could be this person, it could be that person. I just need to get them out. I I don't care who it is anymore. And that to me was that first moment in my perspective when the light, when the switch flipped. Because yeah. before it'd be like there were times where he was going up against Ronald Acuna, which we all know the antics happened between him and the Marlins, where Sandy goes, sometimes, yeah, I'm afraid pitch inside him because we know what happens. And now yeah. he's gotten to the point where it's like he doesn't care anymore. He finally realized that I'm going to put it right up on his, on a, uh, right up in his grill. And I don't care. Like, yeah. let him, let him, you know, 
and, yeah. and that's how you have to pitch yeah, to them. Exactly. Sorry, like that. Not to get on a tangent, but that's yeah. always been like, well, what do you want? If you pitch yeah. him outside, he's going to kill you. Yeah, yeah. No, so, so it's when that Yankees game, and then everything from in 2021 on, he's taken that mindset and got to the aggressive, become the aggressive Sandy Alcantara on the mound that you always knew was in there. You always knew he could potentially get there. It was just a matter of when he was finally just going to say, and just basically say, F it, let's go. I'm going to do, I'm going to use my stuff here and I'm going to be better than you. And he's finally gotten there. And then now to just segue to the next topic of him be going from being the guy who was basically look to basically him becoming the guy that everyone's looking to now, because again, it was even back in 2020, he was still the guy who was looking up to a Jose Ureña, who was the guy who really took out Sandy under his wing. When Sandy first got here, Ureña was the opening day guy. He was the, the workhorse of the rotation. And then once Sandy took over that, he, in a matter of two years, became the guy that, all of the younger pitchers gravitated toward every yeah. time he goes up for a bullpen, you see every pitcher standing around the mound, watching him throw, watching him as he goes through it, watching him as he talks to a Mel and goes after he throws a pitch and goes, yeah, that was off. I need to do that again. Yeah. Okay. I realized I need to fix this. Okay. I need to do that. And they're getting a free show every fifth day, every fifth day during the game and those four days in between. And you're yeah. starting to see it with, as you mentioned earlier in the, earlier in this, Edward Cabrera specifically. And we've seen yeah. sort of the trend. We've seen sort of the transformation with Edward this month where when he came up last year, made his debut, he latched on to Sandy. Even when the results weren't there, he literally went to Sandy after almost every start and was like, what did you see? What did I do wrong? What can I do better? And the two of them building that bond has been just as beneficial for Edward Cabrera. I think as it has been for Sandy because Sandy's yeah. able to see it from, see basically a mini version of himself while he's not on the mound and give right. and have that little bit of introspection of, okay, I'm seeing what I did before. Now let me teach you what it takes to get to the next level. And yeah. Sandy I mean, having to do that himself, I think just helps him with improving his own game too. It, it's like if um, it's like young receivers in the NFL, let's say, and, and you're on a team with, you know, Devonte Adams, you know, or Tyree kill. And you're like either a rookie, a second year guy. You, you're getting such a benefit from seeing that guy day to day go to work and do what they do and, and be in reps together and be in, in, in this case, in baseball terms and bullpen sessions and, you know, behind the scenes and charting and whatnot, everything. It, it's such a benefit for a young guy to see that. But then that I think even too like, the, like you said, the relatability, too, because you're not talking about a 37 year old that's a grizzled veteran or whatever. This is a guy that can is still not far off from where they are, and they can kind of see, all right, maybe you know, and it's not going to always happen, but that you're like I was, I you know I was you four years ago, you know, like and now look where you are, kind of thing. So it's like it gives him like a goal to shoot for, and then to me that's that's definitely the cool part for sure. I mean, I, I think a lot of these guys, like you said about Edward specifically, I mean, that was the dream, right? It was supposed to be Sandy, Edward, and and Sixto. And unfortunately, Sixto's had all these injury problems. But that was supposed to be that trio, you know, at the top of the rotation. And then maybe Pablo after that and whoever else. But those three, you know, you, 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 you're you the, the hard-throwing 
triple threat, you know, all Dominican guys at the top of that rotation would have been. But hey, maybe they still get two if <laughs> Edward can keep it up. Yeah, and maybe six will get swapped out with Yuri Perez, another Dominican down yeah, there who's that's true. Yeah, and then like you mentioned, Pablo's still under control for two more years. Again, we'll see what happens over the offseason if they try to move him like they were attempting to do with the trade deadline. But you still have guys like Jesus Lazardo, who is breaking having a breakout year at this point. You have Trevor Rogers, if he's able to figure things out and figure and rebound from the struggles that have been this year. Braxton Garrett, Jake Eater, you've got you have the rotate, you have the guys there, but if you're able to have that formidable one-two punch of Sandy and Edward up top, which is looking more and more like a potential reality down the road, that's a tough one-two punch to beat. And again, when you talk about the youth and the team control, they're both under control for five more years. Sandy through the contract and Edward Edward Cabrera on the rookie deal. So yeah. to be able to have that type of talent under that type of control, again, it gives them that foundation, but still it at least gives them one less problem to deal with when we know the problems that they're going to have to be solving this offseason. And with Edwards, it's just, with Edward, it's just the injuries. It really, yeah. it's just staying, the durability, like staying healthy, you know, and that's been the issue so far in his young career, but you see it when he's there. You see what he can do. So, yeah, if Yuri comes up and he's that type of guy and then you fit two more pieces that can at least set up those four and five spots, I mean, you have a pretty sick rotation. And then it goes into, you know, what we're not going to get into in this episode, but we have at length before. We will again at some point if they can ever fix the freaking offense, you know, and then and then you have yourself a a good team finally after five years or so. But we'll see. Yeah, I just need to pull up my one stat that's been one of my favorites yet most depressing of this past (laughs) month. Uh, John, let me pull up the exact. You're the stat man, my friend. Yeah, no, it's just when you look at what the pitching has done, the Marlins have, I think it's six shutouts in the month of August and nine Mm -hmm. wins. Just the the state of that, when you see what the pitching's able to do and you have that few wins, it's. I'm surprised they don't have, I'm surprised they haven't had more scoreless extra inning games. Yeah. With the way this team. I've made the joke with, I think I made with you a few times that they're going to have a pitcher have a complete game or potentially a no hitter that they lose one nothing because it goes into the extra innings and the automatic runner scores on a sack button, sack fly. Yeah. That's or two or two wild pitches, which would make it even funnier. Yeah. So the Marlins this month have eight wins. Five of those eight wins are shutout victories. Yeah. It's pretty. Yeah. And, and that's the concerning thing in the long in the long run of the future of this team is that for four for the better part of this five year of these five years now, you've heard about the pitching, you've heard about the pitching over and over and over. But not many of those hitting prospects have panned out, barely any. And, and the ones and the guys that have, you know, found roles have been through trades. And not many of those either. Not many guys that are really game changers. You know, there's one that's hurt right now that we're waiting to come back, probably not this year, but next season. You know, the fixture at shortstop, Mr. Jazz, but beyond that, not a lot. And it it, it makes you wonder where, you know, is this franchise ever going to fix that one-sided problem, you know, going forward? Because if not, you're going to be caught in this purgatory over and over of not good enough. Yeah. 
And it's just it's a matter of the same old, same old. It's going to be tough to see this go again. But we yeah. will touch on that more next time we come out. Uh, for now, thanks so much for tuning in for to this week's episode of Fish Bites, the Sandy Alcantara edition. Of, we will be back again next week. Thanks so much, everyone.